Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the fellow windows and doors of Wisconsin Mobile Studio in the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone at Summerfest. Here's Sandy Max. Sandy Max in for John McCure today. Michael Spaulding, co-anchor, Bob Brainerd in on sports, and Debbie Lazaga on traffic. And we are broadcasting live from Summerfest. Today's broadcast brought to you by Elkhart Lakes Road America. Experience their Vintage Race Weekend, July 13th through the 16th. Get your tickets today and check out the full season schedule at roadamerica.com. Summerfest happening now, and Latin music icon Tito Puente passed away 23 years ago. Since that time, his youngest son, Tito Puente Jr., has been carrying on his legacy with a performance coming up on July 7th at the Briggs & Stratton Big Backyard here at Summerfest. And uh, John Mercure and I got a chance to talk with Tito about honoring what would have been his father's 100th birthday this year, sharing his music to the next generation and more. We're excited to be joined by musical legend Tito Puente Jr. Tito, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Muchas gracias, y'all. <laughs> hey, we're going to talk about your dad and legacy and all that stuff, but I want to start with when I think about your music, I think about passion and energy. How would you describe your music to someone who's not familiar with it? Yeah, the music is Afro-Cuban music. It's very up-tempo, very percussion-based. I think everybody that comes to my concerts, they always get up. By the end of the night, we're doing a, a conga line right through the theater. <laughs> I got to see you last November at the Northern Lights Theater, and you are right. The whole place was a party. How many people are on stage to get that rhythmic sound? We have an 11-piece orchestra, and it's a lot it has to do with the horn section and the, the timbales, the congas, and it brings everybody together. You know, the music of my late father was so incredible on how many years, over 50 years, 186 albums, traveling the world. But if we did one thing, he was an ambassador of Latin music, brought people together for one purpose, and that's to dance to his music. And if you were to say to me, who plays the wildest vibes, what would I say? Tito Puente! Right, and here he is, Tito Puente himself! Tito, I'm glad you brought up your dad because so many famous people, whether they're musicians or athletes, kind of run from their parents' legacy and feel the need to create their own, but you embrace it. Tell us about your dad's influence. He was so greatly influenced in my future, my, my career, everything that I stand for. Um, I love the fact that, that he passed the torch down to me. Uh, it was quite reasonable, too, because he made me go to school and learn how to read and write music. And I'm glad that he pushed me towards playing drums. And I'm glad I got that experience uh, throughout his entire career. And then uh, he passed away 23 years ago. We're celebrating his 100th centennial anniversary, his birthday, 100 years old. This year, Tito Puente, we're celebrating with concerts around the world. And I'm glad I could bring his music to the new generation. You know, the last name Puente means bridge, and that's what I'm kind of doing. I'm bridging a new generation of young kids to learn about the music of Tito Puente from his era from the 1940s and 50s. And that's what I continue to do. Honor to welcome to the show the one and only Tito Puente. What is some of the best advice you ever got from your dad? Wow, he used, he used to tell me, surround yourself with creative people, thus you will be creative. And I encourage all the young listeners that are tuned in today, surround yourself with people that like what you do, whether you be a singer, piano player, 
guitar player, percussion player. Surround yourself with others that play that. You can vibe off each other and have that influence and then create new sounds and new music for the future generations. Well, Oscar, what do you say now? I got you to dance. Uh, I'll tell you what I say now. Don't ever do that to me again. This when you're behind the drums, what is one of your favorite songs to play live? Oh, you know, there's, there's so many. My father has 10,000 arrangements and 180 some odd albums. My personal favorite is Oye Como Va, one of those big, huge hits that uh, my father wrote. Everybody seems to know the lyrics. They're very simple, and, and it's one of those tunes that really get people out of their seats and enjoy that cha-cha-cha sound. We're so excited to have you at Summerfest. What's it like to be outside, live audience, warm summer evening, just in the open air? I'm looking for a huge conga line at Summerfest. Wisconsin fans have been so beautiful to, to my father many, many times he's performed there. And now we're bringing the music and the centennial party of Tito Puente's uh, history, his life. We're going to have some really cool memorabilia on stage, too. And uh, it's nice that I, we could be a part of it, along with Grupo Nietzsche and all the other great artists that are going to be a part of this beautiful, beautiful and wonderful festival. Music brings people together, Tito. I can just see the conga lines stringing all the way through the Summerfest grounds now. I'm so excited about that, Matt. I'm, I'm going to probably encourage you guys to be in the front of the line so you can teach everybody the, the mambo and the cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll catch a lake breeze, Tito, to uh, get some of that sweat off. I'm really excited to be a part of it. and Thank you for having me on the show. This is great. You can enjoy the sounds of Tito Puente Jr. Maybe even join in the conga line yourself Friday, next Friday, July 7th. He'll be performing 6 o'clock on the Briggs and Stratton Big Backyard Stage. He's getting his whip out again. That's next on WTMJ. Oh, yeah. I'm Sandy Max in for John McCure. Mike Spaulding here, co-anchoring Bob Brainerd on sports for Greg Matzik and Debbie Lazaga and... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny just released in movie theaters today. Thoughts, feelings on the fifth and final installment of the Indiana Jones series? I hate that my thought and feeling are both the same and they're... Matt? All right. <laughs> there, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, enough, I, I, that's, I don't... That was Harrison Ford's reaction to <laughs> Yeah. Hate to say it. Yeah, I'm you old. Too? I'm old. No, well, no. I'm I'm excited to see it, but I'm also fine and okay as Harrison Ford is that this is the last ride. It, it's the last adventure exactly. featuring Harrison Ford. We don't know if somebody may come along years from now and say, you know what? Let's just recast it. They're big into reboots. Lately. Yeah, 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 but but but. But for somebody who saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, number one, in theater when it first came out. Oh, yeah. I, 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 love, I love all of them, but it's time. And I, I hope that this is a good ending and the chapter closes and I'll, I'll be satisfied. This is what Harrison Ford had to say about it. It makes the whole uh, five movies kind of feel the right length, the package. We, we know him from the beginning, you know, when he was about 40 years old. And we know him when he's 80 years old. 
Is that how old he was? 40? I guess Indiana? so. Yeah, yeah, I guess if you do the math, right? Because he was in Star Wars in 77. Right. Blade Runner, one of my favorite movies, 82-ish. Yeah. Huh? That's, that's when that's an older came Indiana out. than I would have thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the spry for a 40-year-old. He, he, he's preserved well. Here's what, like I, too, saw the very first one in the theaters, and I was so engrossed. I was almost a teenager. You know the scene where he's just falls down in front of this army truck and he's like being dragged oh, on the yeah. front with the bumper and, and i'm holding on to the grill am, yes yeah, and yeah, i'm yeah. a child and i jump out of my seat and go get up get up get <laughs> up that's how into the film i was so how many movies like really suck you in like that now yes i get that i was a kid but that's how engrossing it was and now i feel like the movies the blockbuster movies of the summer are spectacle blowing things up well, we're kind of... they don't have as much of a story. Yeah, we're kind of... Not to be Matt Miller here, but we're kind of like IP'd out a little bit, right? With the... Everything is a franchise. Nothing is ever done. So I'm excited with the fact, I think, that Harrison Ford seems so resolute about the fact that Indiana Jones is actually coming to an end because they can complete some sort of a story. I feel like in this world of nothing is ever done yeah, because you, you can make money that maybe this is truly done. You wait at the end of the credits to see if there's an Easter egg teasing the next sequel. Yeah, do, yeah. We, have one of those, yeah, do we have one of those Marvel comic like mid-sequence, mid-credit sequences? And I will also say that the beginning of the Indiana Jones films in the 80s, not only were they state-of-the-art with reviving this storytelling that was born in the 40s, but really great adventure mm-hmm. series, but also state-of-the-art with the special effects. Yeah. Because Bob, the, the you, melting Nazi, right? Talking about, yeah, yeah that mean, was creepy. That was fascinating, and the special effects. <laughs> sure, because they tell you don't look, and then yeah. you're like, but you have to look. But the other part was the sequel. They changed the ratings of movies to PG-13 because of this special effect of grabbing somebody's heart out of their chest. But that was a big deal and an evolution for the film industry. So these are popcorn movies, but they're really, really great stories, and. I still have my movie poster. I didn't know we were talking about this. I got to look it up. Uh, it's it's not a large one, but it's just a very very rugged, sexy Harrison Ford with a machete over his shoulder, and it just says the words "Trust me" there you go. under the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. <laughs> I, All right. And I yeah, at twelve years old, I was like, "Oh, hello, Harrison." One of the <laughs> thing- I, my spidey senses tingled at that. But I got to tell you, here's what's happening in the Dial of Destiny. This one is set in 1969. Indy tries to catch a former Nazi trying to mess with the Apollo moon landing. And as far as crazy stunts go, he rides a horse through the New York City subway. Sure. So now I'm interested. Like, I I didn't know those aspects of it. I'm into it. As long as the story... What I like is either it's going to be a good story or it's just so ridiculous that the film and the screenwriters have no choice but to just lean into the absurdness, a la a Fast and Furious franchise. Or the where the one they... right before the, the Crystal Skull was pretty much... Yeah. yeah, but that movie was bad. It was. It was bad. <laughs> However, it had some really cool sequences, like the whole anthill thing. Yeah, it was very cool. Too much too much CGI, though. I'm hoping uh, we get yeah. a little more realistic, like realist effects here. Mm-hmm. Like the original Star Wars, everything was so practical with yep. the effects. We were like, okay, it's supposed to be campy. I'm hoping that maybe Indiana Jones is a little bit uh, left, uh, left on that bone. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. to see how they do the AI and his... I, I feel like I'm a good litmus test for that. I've been enjoying him for so long. Maybe I can tell you if the AI really does capture his youth. Spoiler alert. You don't think so? Well, well just, I, I don't, don't. All right. Don't, I, maybe la, I'll, la, 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 la. Oh, I'll yeah. make it a mission. I'll make it a mission maybe to take a girlfriend and go watch there you go. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny.